So, what's up? How was your weekend? It's good. How was yours? Oh, pretty good. It's a Sunday. It's cold. Yeah, and now we're doing some Reds culture. Mm, yes, definitely. I have Jody from uh, Piece of Me here at uh, PieceofMeLifestyle.com. Uh, basically, we're just going to talk about energy, community, business, whatever we have on our minds, and go from there. So. I'm excited. Thank you very much for inviting me to participate mm, in this. Well, thank you for coming. <laughs> So basically, I wanted to go on about, I know me and you talked to talked about this before, about energy, Reiki, basically anything's energy and everything. Um, what would be like your description to like tell somebody what Reiki is or energy itself? Sure. So the way that I kind of see things and the way that Reiki is taught is that everything that is here, uh, animate and, and inanimate things have some type of vital life force energy. Um, and it depends on the culture that we're talking about. Like um, it's called chi in China, ki, mana, prana, um, orgon. It's all a universal life force and it's different names depending on the culture, but it's things that like plants have a universal life force. Crystals have a universal life force. And then of course we have universal life force. So um, the thought and the process behind Reiki is that the energy is the universal life force that the practitioner is channeling from creator, God, whatever it is that you, that word you use for it. Yeah. Um, you're channeling that energy to the person that you're working on, or if you're working on yourself, you're pulling that energy into yourself to transition lower vibrational energies to a higher vibrational energy. And in doing that, you release blockages, you release attachments, you're able to let go of traumas, resentment, regret, rejection, all of the different things that um, hold us back and keep us from healing and being like ascended beings here on planet Earth. So that is basically what Reiki would be. My question about it, what I would pop in my head about Reiki, if you'd put into another subject, kind of. I know you're not expert on it, but like astrology. I'm supposed to. Oh, no. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of th <laughs> I'm throwing something else a little bit in there. Because you kind of look at like all the stuff that's going on nowadays with everything, talking about energy. Mm -hmm. uh, look at our world, all the crap's going on with our country, with anything. And you really look, t step outside the box, like it's all energy. Absolutely. I mean, like with the politics, with. All this women stuff going on, coming out about, mm -hmm. uh, with the um, being assaulted and everything. I mean, and you kind of look at that and like it's energy. And then on the flip side of it, you start looking into astrology. Like if you look into that, like we're starting to come into the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And like you kind of look at what's the definition of Aquarius. Well, it's like women's empowerment, movement, uh, technology is like supposed to advance even more. Uh, which you would get into, I would start talking about like solar, you know, solar power and all right. that. Like, I, I think everything, like you said, is, involves energy, whether you, whether you want to call it chi. Uh, that's the first thing that pops in my head is chi with Japan or China. Yeah. Uh, of course, Reiki. Ki. And ki. Uh, it's weird because, like, people want to separate, I think, separate religion and everything, like, divide it up. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you look at the core basis of it, probably 95% or more, 95% or more of the religion is the core values are the same. Absolutely. Like, it, that's what I don't get. People don't see that. Like, step outside the box a little bit, you know. Well, we've been conditioned 
through many generations to think that we're separate from each other. And they use it as a tactic. Um, like for the wars, whenever you look at World War II, they basically would try to say that the Germans weren't human. So that made it okay to go to war and kill a bunch of Germans. So there is this um, force that wants us to think that we're separate from each other, that we're separate from creator, and that we should be fighting amongst ourselves for some kind of um, way to prove that we're better. Or that, you know, my religion will be able to be the ultimate religion of the land because we're going to destroy the other religions. But I think if you look at it in a bigger context, um, you look at all the different cultures that are here on this planet. You've got like Hinduism and you've got people that are in Iran and the Middle East. There's people that are in South America, you know, Asia, the United States. There are so many different cultures there is no possible way that one God or creator or life force energy would be able to display itself or manifest itself for all of these different cultures in one singular way so that all of those cultures would see that. So of course they're gonna have different names. We have different languages. God, Allah, you know, it's all the same thing that they're pointing to. It's just that we're in different cultures so we have different definitions, different words for them. And I think that's where a lot of the times the separation comes into it is because we expect people to be just like us. I definitely a thousand percent agree with you. Uh, sticking on that same topic uh, with the different cultures with uh, kind of coming back to our country. Uh, it makes me think like, why are we all divided in this country then? Because we have so many different cultures in this country where we have like religion based or culture based. I think we have like ever couple hundred different cultures in this country mm -hmm. and like what other con country in the world has that nobody maybe some westernized countries like um i think there is a large proportion of diversity within um like the united kingdom and britain i think there's a pretty diverse culture there um but i have i gotta throw this out i have a friend that lives in australia yeah and she was actually the very first person that was ever accepted as a refugee into Australia. She's a Kenyan woman and she was a lesbian. They were going to kill her in Kenya. Wow. And she tried to become a refugee here in the United States and we wouldn't accept her. So Australia ultimately is who took her in so that she wouldn't be killed by her own people. Just for being a lesbian. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's funny because they say Australia is like supposed to be... Um... The country where Britain and all that took all their, um, their poor, well, not poor, but like uh, convicts criminals. and criminals. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's like it's flourished to its own country. So it's basically all con convicts, criminals, kind of made their own little country. And now they're accepting, right there, accepting other people that would have got killed. Yeah. They stay in their country, but they're accepting different cultures, different everything. Yeah. Which they, is, yeah, like it, it's crazy. They colonized. Australia because there were the aboriginals that were there so much like what happened here in the United States with um, the Native Americans or the indigenous here uh, It was colonized and then they want to fight over who's the best But it's kind of neat because Australia actually just legalized gay marriage this week. That's awesome I kind of I try to keep up on that. There's so much stuff in the world, you know like, <laughs> it's hard. so much stuff like going on. It's like 
oh, what country, you know, you want to talk about today or what country is happening with whatever today. It might be right. like out in California with that forest, like the forest fire. That's that looks crazy. There's actually pictures that you can see. I was just showing my dad. There's pictures that you can see from the space station. You can see the fire in California. That's crazy. I don't know if you're talking about space station. Have you heard about this whole flat earth theory? Oh, people? yeah. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. Like, how do you think there is a flat earth, I guess? It's all about a level of awareness. They used to believe that there was a flat earth. Uh, the church actually mm -hmm. used to condemn people for trying yeah, to say there was yeah. a round earth. Yeah, back in what, like the 15th, 16th, 17th century, whatever it may be. Yeah. The church has a lot of hat. Well, I think they still, still do have a lot of power. Absolutely. Uh, but I think people are starting to wake up. Yeah. Like, there's different ways to live. Yeah. Uh, besides what the, the brick and brick and mortar way of life is, whether it be religion or anything. I mean, I think everybody's waking up. Everybody just to me, everybody just wants to be happy and live life freely. Well, absolutely. Because yeah. if you look at it, we're all, I mean, we all bleed the same color. We all cry in the same language. We all laugh in the same language. We all have those basic needs to want to love, to be loved, to feel safe and secure, to feel fulfilled. It's just certain areas where we grew up makes our skin a different color. We use a different language or whatever. And here in the United States, you know, it's even, um, cause we were talking about all of the problems that are going here in the United States. That's been set up politically for us. Mm -hmm. um, whenever you've got a two party system, you've got basically the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, yes, we have, um, independence, we have greens and stuff like that, but the way our system is set up, it's called first past the post. And whoever gets the predominant amount of the percentage of the, the vote is going to be the winner mm -hmm. outside of like the electoral college. But generally speaking, like whoever has the most people are the people who win. And if you look at, um, if you go back to like the United Kingdom, actually, I love the way that their political parties are set up and the way that they set because their parliament. Go, go by the percentages? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like, um, say the Greens get 10% of the vote, they get to set 10% of parliament. If the socialists get 3% of the vote, they get to set 3% of parliament. And I think that shows a much better um, way of representing their people. Plus diversity, too. With, Absolutely. Because, you know, not everybody's a millionaire. And not no. everybody's going to be a millionaire. Nope. Or a billionaire or whatever it may be. Some people are ha happy making $25,000, $30,000 a year. Yeah. And they just want a little bit, to me, they just want a little bit extra to get by because... All the costs and everything is going up, so that's why I think all this is happening. Yeah, you know, it's it's this country is basically flatlined uh, since back in the early two thousands, and then yeah. really, we're, I, I think it, it's it is one aspect. It is I feel like it's coming down, but other aspect I think it's coming up. Like the people's coming up, but the government part's going down. because yeah. I think more people are starting to come together with whatever it may be. Uh, Black lives matter. All lives matter. Uh, for the Native Americans, for the the water, you know, water crisis and everything's been going on out there. My thing is like we need to. There's always somebody against whatever whatever somebody's for. There's always somebody against that. Mm -hmm. And I think that people need to step back. Again, me talking about stepping outside the box. And there is no box. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There, there's. I mean, people think there is. Yep. Uh, Sometimes I tell people you might have to step outside a couple boxes. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like you need to like put stuff all the way out and then look in and like, oh, okay. Like to me, we have all this stuff going on with, the, like I said, the women's movement and all that. And 
we all sh- should be supporting each other. Absolutely. With whatever it may be. And then if we all come together and be, you know, come together as a whole, nothing's going to stop us. No. You know, like, but that's what they want. That's what they're afraid of. That's mm-hmm. like the millionaires run both parties. Like people used to think that the Democrats were the people's people or mm-hmm. the Republicans were like the Christian people that were, you know, the millionaires run both parties. You know, it's really the same thing that you're going to get on both sides of the fence. Now, I mean, granted, like we had the conversation, like what do you think would be different if Hillary would have won the election yeah. versus, you know, with Trump winning the election? When it comes down to it, even if Hillary would have been put in place, now granted, you know, she wouldn't be having elephant trophies and there wouldn't be Muslim bans and things like that. But um, like this big tax bill that's getting ready to go through, the corporations and the people that are wealthy would still be catered to. And those people don't want us uniting. So that's why they like this two-party system because they can control the people that aren't millionaires. And that's one of the things, my degree is in political science. And one of the things that they tell you up front is if you ever want to be a senator, you have to be a millionaire because there's no way with name recognition and all the population, there's no way that you can win a seat without being a millionaire because they feed so much information into us in what is called programming in television through commercials, through the media, whether it's paper, advertisement on radio, whatever. I think you can even go talking about kind of like getting us programmed like as you just said uh you can even take it into education if you wanted to oh there's uh, definitely common core is yeah, like, programming i i believe a lot of our systems that are in the united states are fucked up basically mm-hmm. because uh they're doing stuff from way back in the day which back in the day it, i guess they could do that because there was this core whatever but again, back in the day, a lot of people didn't even go all the way through school because they had to start working or whatever, you know? Absolutely. Like, the kids were going to work at 10 or 11, 12 years old or whatever it may be. Uh, I mean, I know that that has changed. Like, that's what's better now today is that we don't have children working and all that in our country. But it's still going on throughout the world, though. Yep. I mean, you see that stuff, was it Kenya or Libya, wherever, that you're selling slaves and all that? Yeah. Like, it, there's still slavery here. Yeah, like it's well, slavery here is called something different nowadays. <laughs> it's called debt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's slavery. That's to me, slavery is debt, where you basically can't do nothing because you have to pay this payment for so long. Yep, and student loans. Like you, you, they say you can't get a good job unless you go to college. Yeah. And then you're going to be in debt anywhere from thirty grand to over a hundred thousand dollars. It really depends on your degree. You know? Absolutely. Like, it seems like the more the more um, you get paid after, or you're supposed to get paid after you get out of college, the more debt you're going to go. Yeah. So like, if you want to become a doctor, I guarantee you, you're going to freaking you're going to spend a hundred k. Absolutely. Yeah. So attorneys spend a hundred thousand yeah. on their on their degree. I'm thirty thousand dollars in debt, and there's a lot of people that are just like me that they're not even that degree is not doing them any good. Once they've gotten out outside of the academia, like I'm not using my degree in political science right now in this business at all. Uh, the jobs that I've had previously, I didn't become a manager because I had a degree. I did it because of my work ethic and they yeah. saw my work ethic. So that is a, a form of slave. They're putting people in debt. It's, it's so crazy that you talk about your degree and like, to me, that's like mainstream, like material like kind of degree mm-hmm. and then yeah you want this like the route you're in now which yeah. is that's like to me it's crazy because it's total opposite you know yeah i um 
when I was going, my first two years were at Potomac State, and they gave me a athletic scholarship to play tennis for them. And then I finished my four-year degree at Frostburg State. And, um, or actually, I would have been in a lot more debt than just the $30,000. So um, while I was in Potomac State, I actually did an internship with the West Virginia State Legislature um, because I wanted to become an attorney. Um, and But then even my plan was I wanted to open up a house like a safe house for people who were being abused. And I wanted to be able to give them free legal advice to get out of those situations. And I wanted to find a psychiatrist or a therapist that would do like the mental health that's required that people need whenever they're going through abusive relationships. So I always wanted to kind of be of service, but like when I did that internship with the legislature and I saw like really the way that it works, it totally turned me off. Like I no longer did I want anything to do with that, but I was already locked into it. So it was like, well, I may as well finish this. And at least, you know, I thought, well, at least I have a degree and yeah. just having that degree is going to help me get a really good job. And it, it didn't. <laughs> so basically after you got into the, the office or internship, and you basically saw like the whole it was horrible the whole world like oh shit this is true so like you know like yeah. you probably heard stories and stuff where you went in and all that no really? i thought i really thought like i mean i knew things were screwed up because there's supposed to be separation of church and state but yet yeah, you know yeah. christmas is a holiday while you know hanukkah's not so what really shocked me though is i got down there and my delegate um in the house it was west virginia house we had a piece of legislation that was going through and West Virginia is big coal country. Mm -hmm. And there was a legislation that was going through that was trying to limit the weight of coal trucks because they wanted to try to help preserve the infrastructure the roads, uh, the heavier, the coal trucks, the more it'll break down the blacktop. So my delegate literally had me write two separate emails so that whenever a constituent that wanted her to support the bill, wrote her, I sent them a response that made it sound like she was on their side. But then if somebody that is, you know, heavy in the coal industry or a coal miner sends her an email that says, I want you to not support that because it's going to affect my industry. She had me send a whole completely different email that said, I'm with you on that. So did you ever see the final, like what side she actually picked though? She voted for the coal company because that's where the money is. Those people are making donations to her campaigns. So you're going to side with the people that are giving you money. And the sad thing is most people aren't active in their political process to where they actually go and do the research to see, hey, wait a minute, how did my delegate vote? She said she was going to vote with me, but mm -hmm. did she actually? I would say maybe 2% of the population actually looked that up. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I wouldn't even doubt it was less than that. Yep. Because, I mean, nowadays, I mean, I know how long ago it was, like, like 10 years ago or something. Yeah, it was in 2003. Yeah, so that was so a while was... ago. But, <laughs> but at least nowadays with technology, I think with all the stuff going on politically now, that the technology is kind of like keeping up. Because like I know on Facebook now, you can actually add your delegate uh -huh. and all that. And yep. you can actually go fact check mostly anything yep. now. Or um, whatever. They, what basically, I think there's a website that even tells you like what everything they voted on. Absolutely. I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, that existed like, then too. It's it's crazy people don't think about it though. No. Like, and going back to how the tide's turning and stuff's happening and stuff like to me it's all together if you step back and look at everything that's going on all together one way or another i always say you start talking about one thing for instance we start talking about energy and all that now we're talking about politics like it, it, it's 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 all connected connected together and and if you think about it everything 
it's basically up to you. Yep. And then you come together as a community or as a group, whatever it may be, you can change stuff. Absolutely. Like, our thoughts, our energy. Mm -hmm. That's what like um, people that are into this kind of thing, they're called thought forms. Mm -hmm. So like you might, I might have somebody that was told in a relationship, like you're not good enough or their parents told them. My poor dad was just telling me yesterday how he's still, he's 60 years old. And when he was younger, his mom said, I hate you. I wish you were never born. And he still cries over that today. Wow. So these are thought forms that we're holding on to. So really our thoughts are energy and that helps create our life. So that if you're sitting in a vibration that's always um, depressed or you're a martyr or you're always sick, you're going to experience that in your reality. However, I believe that if you're somebody that's like, I mean, look at the Dalai Lama. He's always exuding love. He's giving mm -hmm. it to every person that he meets. He doesn't take things personally. So if somebody is cranked off, he's not mm -hmm. like, oh, well, they hurt me. There's something wrong, whatever. Mm -hmm. Get wrapped up into that cycle of the drama. He's just unconditional love. So for the most part, even though he's exiled from his own country and the whole thing that's going on with China there, um, is that crazy? <laughs> it's unbelievable. There's actually, um, there's a business in downtown. It's called the Social Studies Store. You guys should check it out. It's so cool. These people close, um, they close in January and they go overseas to like, um, they go to, to India. They go to, um, I can't remember all the different, they go to all these different countries and they go into the villages and they meet the people. They buy their products that they yeah. make there. And then they bring it back here to their shop. And that's what you can buy in their store. Wow, really? And Ernest is the name of the man. And his wife is Tamayo. And he was telling me about how one time they were in India. They were in Tibet, actually. And um, they were heading towards... Um, so they call sometimes ashrams or temples. Um, he was headed towards a temple, but the Chinese government came up. They held a gun to his head and told him, you get in this vehicle and you leave right now or we're going to kill you. So what they ended up finding out that day was that the Chinese government had been into that monastery that they were headed towards and they had killed the monks there. So they were wow. trying to keep these Western people from seeing that they had just slaughtered all of those people. That's so crazy. It's crazy when you think about it at all with all just that story. And that's only one of thousands or a million stories, stories that's going on in the world. They've murdered millions of Tibetans, just like we murdered mm -hmm. millions of Native Americans. And like millions of the, the um, aboriginals in Australia. It's like all of these tribal, smaller cultures have been taken over by this larger force that is all about colonization. My tribe is better than your tribe. We're mm -hmm. bigger, we're stronger. That means we can take over you. That's horrible. And I think it's so ingrained into our cultures that you have to basically not rely on time, but you basically have to go back again to the core of like this basic life. Yeah. Like go back to the community. I'm all about community because it's giving back to the local, giving back to the local community, which you can invest stuff in locally then mm -hmm. you know like I, I there's a couple of websites i can't remember them um there's people in this country is actually doing it like up in, i think it's up in massachusetts, massachusetts or maine um but these little communities are like popping up they're like co-living co uh business like they're basically co co everything like intentional communities yeah like the business is like co-dependent co-owned 
It's not owned by one or two people. It's owned by everybody. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I forget the name of the company. It's actually, I think one of them is a beer company, too. There's a, <laughs> yeah. When I was vegan, there was this one vegan bread that we could get in Martin's. Oh, goodness. Something street bread. And every single person that works there has a stake in the company. Mm-hmm. They're all owners. So mm-hmm. even if you just start there, like, you have something that, you know, you're a part of and you're a part of that community and you get the benefits of it more than, you know, that the worker is not making $7 an hour while the manager or the CEO is making a hundred thousand. <laughs> that's yeah. I don't understand that at all. And well, that's, what's good though. That, that stuff start starting to pop back up. I, I watched all this on a documentary off Netflix. Of course I'm a big Netflix documentary person. Uh, man, what the hell is that called? I can't even think of it. I don't even know what to Google it by or anything, uh, but yeah, up in up in Mass, up in Mass, Maine. I think I'm in Canada too. Uh, there's it was a tech company that is all co-dependent ownership, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they're actually the company itself is actually building stuff for like medical stuff, which is making it cheaper. That's cool. Like they're they're actually building stuff like out 3D printers and stuff like that, yeah. like for. Um, stems for your heart and all that stuff like that mm-hmm. and then it's actually costing them cheaper i forget what one thing was um it's something for kids or something it would help them um with breathing what they have like asthma or um whatever they can't breathe or something and you had to take that like blow into like that um the air thing and you have to test like your air like your percentage well, it's like that but at the same time they integrated as playing a game Oh, so cool. it's like the the harder they blow and further they blow into like the tube to test your air, like the the game will like kind of like <laughs> oh, it's kind of yeah. like one of those little dinging things at the carnival you hit it and it goes up uh-huh. whatever they're called the hammer the hammer throw <laughs> whatever, but um it's cool and like it, it kind of gets the kid interested in his own health absolutely so it, and and it costs less for them I think it was like a little thing they even put on the tip of the th- tip of the breathing machine to have them blow into it was like I want to say like seven hundred dollars. Oh, cool. And they and that company made it, dropped it down to like $150. And the guy said that once they get something with a, a deal to help with the, the thing, it'll drop it down to like 50 bucks. See, and I love that. It's better than that Martin Screlly dude who gets, you know, a piece of medicine and he takes it from, you know, $15 a pill to 300 Yeah. That dude is a jerk. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I think it's, he's in jail now. He might be because it sure would he, he like raise it up like seven hundred percent and something like that. But I think he got caught um, doing investment fraud, so I think that dude's sitting in jail with, with his karma, which is all about his vibration too. He had a really bad vibration. He wasn't about unconditional love and all that stuff. So he put himself into a vibration where he's going to experience a reality where it didn't so work out so well for him. I got a question for you. So what would be if you would? If somebody was looking looking to raise their vibration, what would be some of the basic stuff they can possibly do to help? Gratitude. Gratitude is so, so very important. Um, You know, in the United States, we are very lucky. Like, regardless of what's going on politically, um, I mean, there, there is poverty here. There is people that are hungry. There are children that are hungry. There are people that are homeless. But I think... In a large portion, there's a lot more people who are better off here in this country. You know, we're lucky that, you know, we might not eat 
whatever you know the main woohoo food is but we have something to eat to fill our belly yeah. where you know a lot of people don't a lot of Water. other countries mm-hmm. i was watching this show earlier and they were talking about people in india are getting bit and they die in their sleep because a snake is biting them wow. because these people are sleeping on the floor all the time they're sleeping on the ground outside all the time that doesn't happen you know largely in the united states like that uh, we're very lucky in that way and a lot of time we always want to look at what do I not have? What do yeah. I not have? What do I want? We've been taught like, oh, we have to have the best car. We have to have the big house. We have to have the brand name clothes. Like everything is keeping up with the Joneses. And so that's always like supposed to be something that we're striving for instead of being grateful that, you know, hey, I might have a pair of Adidas instead of a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes, but at least mm-hmm. I have something to protect my feet. Mm-hmm. I might have a one bedroom apartment, but at least I have. I have this protection and I don't, you know, and I'm not a slave to, you know, having to work 70 hours a week just to pay a mortgage for a house that I'm trying to impress other people that I don't even like anyways. Because a lot of times yeah. you don't even like the Joneses, but we got to keep up with them. Yeah, and then, and then if you buy that house and then you're locked in. Yeah, you've got to go to a job you hate. Uh, 30 years. Yeah. That's like the norm in America and I think... What is it? America and other countries, one of the only countries in the world that has like a 30 year mortgage. Yeah. And then I think China has like something crazy, like a 60 to 100 year mortgage, which, yeah, basically it goes by like, it's like a generational loan or something like that. Oh, so God. like it goes down to the next generation, which is crazy when you yeah. think about it. Like We do that in our tax system though. What's that with the... Like with this tax break that it's going to, it's going to cost our grandchildren so oh, much yeah. money. Like we're handing that debt down to oh, them yeah. too. It's, it's insane. Like when it, people look at that, because what I read about the tax reform and all that, um, basically on the surface it looks might look great and all that, but only for like, I think for what, between six to six to 10 years after that, that's when you start seeing the damn downfall. For like, the middle class, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's whenever their tax breaks are going to, um, they're going to end, but the corporate tax breaks are permanent. Yeah. Unless, you know, the Democrats take over and then they pass some other tax reform that offsets that which happens all the time well i think it's been like 15 years since the last time they passed tax reform i think they said so it's always this back and forth because you have two different parties Mm -hmm. and all that stuff but yeah um i think gratitude is very important for raising the vibration if we could just be thankful that you know i have this one bedroom apartment and i might be eating um vegetables instead of um i don't know whatever the coolest steak cut is filet mignon or whatever that crap is um gratitude is very very important and then it also levels out the need to have to compete with people but other than that just practices like meditation um yoga um giving some like the pay it forward thing going Mm -hmm. through the line and paying for the next person behind you's their dinner or the person whatever those are little things that we put out that are positive and it affects other people in ways that, you know, we might not have any idea. Or even donating something. Yeah. Uh, I I actually was going to ask out on my Facebook, like I have a lot of stuff from my Donate Salvation Army, uh, which I don't know if um, you need to get down there and give it to them or or I'm not sure. So first, just like, okay, the Salvation Army, they have very anti-gay policies. Really? Yeah. So around here in Cumberland, I always tell people, if you want to donate to a good cause, 
go to Barkin Basement. It is a thrift shop for the animal shelter, the Allegheny County Animal Shelter. Oh, okay. And everything that gets donated there, all the money from that they get, they collect from selling those things, it goes directly to the animal shelter. So that pays for the animals, like the cats and the dogs, it goes to their vet care, it goes for their spaying, it goes for their neutering, it goes for their housing, their food, everything. And that's really important nowadays because seven years ago, the Allegheny County Animal Shelter was actually killing 97% of the cats and the dogs that they were taking in. That's crazy. Like they were there for three or four days and then they were slaughtered. If there was a cat or a dog that had like diarrhea or had an upper respiratory infection, they would kill that animal instead of giving it the medicine that it needs. Um, well, because it was cheaper, basically. That's what they thought though. They thought it was. And Several years ago, my friends and I helped initiate the transition to no-kill here. And now we're saving like 96, 97% of the animals in the, shel in the shelter. So um, funding-wise, there's not that much of a difference. There really isn't. You just have to do the practices different. Like you do TNR so that you are spaying and neutering the cats that are in, out running the streets so that there's not an overpopulation. You rely heavily on fosters, like foster families, to come in and take a cat or a dog and take them to their home so that they get socialized and loved, and then they can be put out on the internet and advertised until somebody that's going to give them their forever home. A lot of times, those foster people fall in love with their animal and they keep it. Um, it's also relying heavily on volunteers. I know whenever I was volunteering at the animal shelter all the time, you know, we were always raising money for them. We were doing different... Um, different benefits that would help pay for the vet bills. Uh, and the people here are super cool about that because I think no matter, most people believe that cats and dogs shouldn't just be killed. Mm -hmm. Most people. <laughs> yeah, I mean. uh, and so like we started a program, uh, it was called Presents for Paws. And it was originally done um, on Christmas Eve. And I tell you the first year they took in a ton one literal ton weight value of donations. Wow. We witnessed people that were coming out because they believed, I'm going to do my part in saving these animals' lives. So I'm going to bring in food. I'm going to bring in litter. I'm going to bring in bleach for cleaning. And it would be neat, too, to even see parents on Christmas Eve bring their kids in. And... Um, do they still do that now? Yes, I'm actually in the process. I'm going to look up the date because they don't do it on Christmas Eve anymore. I might be December 13th, but I'm going to check really fast to make sure and so, see when in present. So from that, from that time period, from when you kind of, you and your friends started trying to change stuff, how long did it take to actually get everything switched over? Would you say? <laughs> well, it depends on what you want to call the beginning. Because when I was working at Hamilton, there was um, a feral colony of cats up there. Yeah, I and <laughs> I was trying to talk them into doing no, no kill then. Because they were, they literally, they, they said they were going to come in and capture these cats and they were going to kill them. And so um, my ex-husband and I actually started setting traps out and we started capturing those cats and taking them off of the <laughs> property. The cops called me and threatened to arrest me if they caught me capturing or even feeding those cats because those cats were supposed to be county property. So that was about two years before the actual transition took place. And then what ended up happening was just like fate came in because um, there were 
three dogs that were trapped inside of this house and nobody was living in this house, but there were humans that were coming around and they were tossing food at them every couple of days. So um, this girl, she calls animal control and she says, these dogs are just being left here. And the animal control officer came out and he sat down and they talked for hours. And he says, look, I would really like to try to do something about this. And he says, for number one, the laws just won't let me. But for number two, if I take these dogs in, they're just going to kill them within four days. And then this was really sad because I found out this, the, that animal control officer, his name's Aaron, um, the very first day that he worked at that shelter, the girl that was the shelter director at the time, she told him, go through there and I want you to pick out your favorite dog. So he went through and he picked out his favorite dog. She said, take it to the kill room and kill it. She made him pick out his favorite dog and then she made him kill it because she was trying to desensitize him to all of the euthanasia that he would have to do until we were able to transition it. But the funny thing was, is once Michelle was actually talking to Aaron that night, um, she started going public with it. And then st people started talking. And within a matter of weeks, I was getting a phone call from Dick DeVore, who is um, the guy that runs the Department of Emergency Services. And yeah. he's the boss of the animal control director. He gave me a call and he was like, look, you know, we're interested in trying to move away from this euthanasia policy because there was a lot of stink being raised about it. So um, me and my friend Carrie showed up and I had all of this information about the no-kill philosophy because I'm a big fan of Nathan Winograd. He is like, I don't get starstruck over celebrities, musicians, all that. I get starstruck over people who light the world on fire. And Nathan Winograd rocks my world. So... I take all of this information about his no, the no-kill philosophy that he talks about a lot with his no-kill advocacy center. And I take it to this meeting and there's all of these people that were, um, I don't want to say power, but they thought that they were in power. They were, you know, like animal rescues that have been around forever or animal organizations that have been collecting donations forever. And they were okay with the way that things were being run. They thought, well, this is just the way that it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, because then they can say, well, we're a no-kill rescue and we can collect all the money for that. Where when it came down to it, they fought us from having a no-kill shelter because we were taking, literally, she said, you're taking a piece of my pie. Um, but it was a matter of weeks. And I'll never forget it because there was this dog that was called, we called her Betty Barky. She was a pit bull, which pit bulls never had a chance in the shelter. And she was deemed dangerous. She was having puppies. And with all of the stuff that was going on, Dick decided that he was going to let us transport this dog and her puppies to a rescue up in Pennsylvania. And he brought that poor dog out. Well, Dick didn't. Um, one of the animal control officers brought the dog out on, it's called um, a rabies pole, which basically it's like real tight around their neck and they can control them with this like hard pole. And they're just, they're wicked. And, oh, you know, be careful. This dog is dangerous. This dog is dangerous. So I put my hand down and I let the dog, you let the dog smell you first. And she smelled me and she was very loving. And I literally got down and I looked that dog in her face, just looked at her in her eyes and she started licking my face. And Dick was like, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing this? This is a dangerous dog. I was like, she's not dangerous. She's scared. She's in an animal shelter yeah. and she knows good people from bad people. She knows people that want to kill her versus people that want to save her. You can say whatever you want to, but Cats and dogs have a sixth, like a sixth sense. Mm -hmm. I think they know good people, bad people when there's danger oh, and things yeah, like definitely. that. 
Um, so just him witnessing some of that, it opened up the door for the no-kill philosophy. And even though the people that had been in what they thought was some kind of power, um, the community supported us and he saw that, you know, we were like, just give us the chance. Let us show you that there'll be support. We got a hundred people to come out and volunteer at the animal shelter. And, um, that's a lot of people. You they think called it, it. They called it the army of volunteers. Like people were just coming out left and right. And what was sad is the people that were in power, they started infighting and they started making all of the volunteers fight against each other. So um, unfortunately, now there's not quite as many volunteers as there used to be in the very beginning because of the drama that ensued from all of that. But they've been able to maintain it. People still make donations. Um, presents for paws. I'm still looking. I got all wrapped up in it. Um, it's <laughs> December 16th from 11 a.m. until 3 p.m. Um, and the animal shelter is located at 716 Furnace Street in Cumberland. That is actually out by, it's where the old sheriff's department used yeah. to be on Furnace Street. So they're out there and they'll be doing presents for paws. And basically like the next Two years um, after that, that I was involved with the shelter, we were getting three and four tons of donations just on this one day alone. And that would provide them with all of the supplies that they needed for several, several months. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad what I was asking you with the time frame because, you know, nothing is quick when you start doing something positive or trying to change something. That's why I was asking the time frame, because mm -hmm. uh, I think most people that see all this stuff that we have thrown at us every day, they think like you should be rich and popular just like that or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. and they think it's going to come just like that, and it, and it doesn't. If, or if you want to change something, anything, you know, mm -hmm. like it's not going to happen probably within not even a year or two or whatever it may be. Like I think people give up. Basically, yep. With, with with whatever it may be, starting your own business, right? Uh, running for some kind of state or um, city thing for uh, politics, whatever whatever it may be, uh, it doesn't start and it don't like pick up like right away, like people think. And I think with a lot of a lot of young people, they're seeing that. Well, I mean, they're seeing they're they're thinking that it's going to come just like that. Like my daughter, like she thinks it's going to come. Just like that, and it. I told her that it doesn't. It's a you know practice or whatever it may be, music-wise, sport-wise, whatever. Like you're gonna have to keep at it with anything. Keep at it, keep doing it, and you'll see the progression. You may not see it at the time, yeah. But you you step back and look back on even this year. Uh, people can look back on this year that, that they had since 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 uh, since the end of the year. Um, but yeah, like people just want it now. Yeah. I don't want to go through, oh, I'm just starting up, I need this or need that, or it's always some excuse or something. Right. And, like, what I tell people anymore, just do it. Yep. Like, you just got to do it. You know, like, your your mind, yep. I always tell everybody anymore, like, your mind is very powerful. Absolutely. Like, it, 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 can, it can trick you mm -hmm. or it can be your friend and, like, guide yep. you along with whatever yep. you want to do, whatever you – and I, I pound this into my daughter's head all the time. I was like, don't let outside energy, forces, whatever, affect your thoughts. Yeah. And I think that's how, you know, we have to explain that to our young people because we're with the internet and 
technology and all that, which I think technology is a positive, but at the same time, there's that negative too. So you got to kind of like balance it out because I don't think, you know, not all of us are going to be celebrities or actors or musicians or um, whatever it may be, or race car drivers or whatever. Um, and I think people need to like teach that to their children because you're seeing all this lights, camera, action stuff of everything online and all that. And um, yeah, I mean, that's all nice and everything, but 90% of those people, you know, damn well is not happy. I don't know that it is very nice. I mean, look at what's coming out with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I mean. And all of the, the like the Corey Haim, you know, all the the, yeah. the, the the children that have been raped, the women that are being, had been sexually assaulted. You know, hopefully this is a revolution, so that's all going to change. Um, but even look at the fame, like. I, st- I can't get over. I can't get over Chester Bennington killing himself. Yeah, that. And, mm-hmm. But if you think about it, like these mus- he's a musician for eighteen, twenty years. It's one so, of the biggest rock bands, like in the world. Right. <laughs> so you are on a stage in front of thousands of people who are adoring you, and anything in life you're going to sort of come become immune to. So if you get that kind of a rush in the first year. Eventually, that rush isn't going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. You, and we are all about instant gratification. Yeah. So then it's like, well, once once you have thousands of people who are adoring and screaming your name, does it? How does it get better than that? You've got people then that are following you around all the time. You have no privacy. You can't fart without people yeah, finding yeah. out about it, and then you know, and then people have something to say about it. Oh, she lit a fart, <laughs> or, <laughs> or <laughs> he pooped in public, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but it's it, everything gets talked about. So then, like, there's these standards that people are held to, and nobody can always live up to those perfect, perfect standards. So being famous, while you know it might be cool to have millions of dollars, so that you don't have to struggle with paying the bills or paying your insurance or your car payment, like that takes away some level of stress. But I think that there's also something that comes with that. It goes back to your, to me, it goes back to your mind with, with everything. Absolutely. Uh, how's your mind going to take it? Because like when you look at, for instance, being famous or whatever it may be. Uh, you know damn well that has to be a lot on your mind. You have a lot of shit coming at you at once. Yeah. And you got a lot to, like, basically live up to, I guess, or this, like you said, platform or this standard you have to live up to. Yeah. And there's no way nobody's perfect, you know? Right. Like, there, there's going to be days you feel like shit, not want to do nothing. Well, take that day to relax a little bit, you know, get your mind right. But at the same time, don't forget about the goal that you're trying to set or whatever it may be or what you're trying to change. Yep. Don't don't forget that. Always yep. keep that in the back of your mind. Yep. You got to plant the seed and let it grow. Yes. And that is like what I think young people should understand. It's not going to happen in a month or two or six or a year. It took it might, me two years to yeah. plant the seed into their minds that, hey, there might be a way to save these yeah. animals instead of kill them. I mean, it might take a decade. On, I mean, yeah. It just depends on what what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, like the old saying, Rome wasn't built in the day. Right. <laughs> like, so it, it's crazy when you think about it. Uh, but again, then again, you're going back to... Everything's connected because, again, if you talk about that, it goes into something else. So I think people need to step back and think what really, really matters. Absolutely. With, with everything. Yep. Um, Do I need this? Yeah. And and then I've been turned on to minimalism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a documentary again on Netflix. Um, and I'll like them on Facebook and Instagram and all that, uh, The Minimalist. Uh, I, it's common sense, though. I mean, if you really think about it, like, these guys basically just took something. It was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm happier now and mm-hmm. less stress, and I got maybe a little bit of money in the bank. I'm not, you know, I might not be well off like a billionaire or millionaire, but I'm still well off where something happens that I can take care of. It. Do you follow Moby? No, but I know you did tell me about he's a minimalist. Though. Yes, he is. He's like, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's kind of funny when you think about it because, like, you change, like you, you change. Like I, oh, I didn't yeah. think about none of this stuff. Like, like, po- like I'm more into politics now. I'm more about living a meaningful life. More about being simple, but also having gratitude. You know, trying to basically change. Uh, and like three years ago, I wasn't into anything that I'm in now. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> it just it's crazy when you think about it. It's like I never thought I'd be in politics. Like right. talking about politics or yep. whatever, and it's like. To me, like how I got in politics was because like my daughter, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like what what kind of example am I setting? Yep. Like my, my child or kids around us if I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing, you know, like I mean, yeah, they have more money, more power, whatever, but like you said, let a fire and make people's asses yep. and make them wake up. And I always come back to if if you come together, the people come together, you can change anything. Absolutely. And then going back to that we are fucking United States of America. Yeah. If we fucking change the United States of America, who do you think is going to follow? Everybody. Everybody. Absolutely. The whole fucking world. Absolutely. Like, we can go from being fossil, like the coal, fossil, fossil fuel shit to clean energy and everything probably within five years, less than five years. If we would put Elon Musk <laughs> in charge of the energy uh, department, like... It would be amazing. Yes. He's actually set up the, the electric grid for Puerto Rico since they had the big yeah, hurricane. And it's all going to be solar. I and think he's, he, I he's think he said it. that... Is, I don't know if it's there. I think he's doing something in Australia, too. Really? Um, I don't know if it's down there with um, Puerto Rico or Australia. There has some kind of energy crisis in Australia, too. One of those places, I'm not sure which one basically said he'll have the energy your energy crisis resolved or up and going within 100 days if not i'll give it to you for free he is incredible like and he and like the stuff he talks about is like he wants to give everybody free wi-fi in the world he's like a modern nikola tesla yeah and it, it it's funny because that's connected because his yeah. tesla and all yeah. that and, then, and people were stealing his um they were stealing his blueprints for his cars so he was finally like, screw it, you know, here's the blue, here's all the information. And actually Nikola Tesla is quoted saying, I don't mind that they stole my ideas. I'm more upset that they don't have any of their own. Exactly. I was just reading about Nikola. Well, you, you know, I'm a fan. I know you're a fan of Nikola Tesla. I'm obsessed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I can just reading. Well, first of all, my biggest thing about getting into reading into Nikola Tesla is free energy. Because mm-hmm. he had the whole idea of. Everybody have free energy. Yep. No fossil fuel, uh, coal, nothing that would yep. harm our environment. Yep. And J.P. Morgan back in the day didn't Edison. see no do- dollar amount on it, so he basically destroyed his shit. Yep. Warden Cliff. Uh, yeah. Yep. And, and Edison. Edison yeah. ended up, you know, the big power company around here is Edison. Yeah. It's crazy when you think about it. Sad. Uh, but with Elon Musk, with that, like you, like people, a lot of people don't know he he's the one who helped do, do PayPal and all that. Mm-hmm. And to me, again, going back to like you have to plant the seed. This was like back then. I was like what ninety nine, 
98, 99. Yeah. And look where he's at now. Absolutely. And if you look into him, he took he did take chances too. Yeah. Like he was basically bank almost bankrupt. And what what's funny is if you look into anybody that is successful or anything, whatever area it's in, music, science, academics, whatever, look into their story. I guarantee you somewhere in their life they had to make a big ass fucking decision. Yep. To either all or not, all, like zero or nothing. Absolutely. Or nothing or 100% or whatever. Gotta like, jump off the cliff. Yeah, like you, like my, I heard a quote that just jump, you grow, grow wings on the way down. That's what I always said with yeah. the shop because I, I had wanted to open up the shop for a long time. And my ex-husband was like, we can't afford it, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. Well, whenever um, I left Hamilton, I had to figure out what I was going to do next and I wanted to do the shop. And he was still like, oh, I don't know. And I told him, I was like, you have to let me jump off of that cliff and know that I'm going to spout wings. It might just be a month. It might be two months. But if I can reach one person, if I can help one person, then I'm good. Because it, let's, you're good and you're nice to one person. You help one person. You don't know what that person's going to do. Mm-hmm. You could help save the life of somebody who turns out to be the next Nikola Tesla or the next Elon Musk or the next person who goes out to save the next person that's going to be a great prophet. It's all, it's like if you look at the story, It's a Wonderful Life, the Christmas movie, and you see what happens to, to George whenever he's shown, okay, well, you don't live. And, you know, his brother Harry dies because he wasn't there to save his brother. And because his brother wasn't alive to go to the military and to go into the war, all of those people that were on that transport that Harry had saved, all of those people died because Harry wasn't there. It's like they say about how if a butterfly flaps its wings, you know, in a couple of days it can cause a hurricane. It's all, it's a ripple effect. We are all connected in ways that we have no idea because we can't physically see the strings attached. I think that's the biggest problem with people too is you don't see it. Even though it's there. uh, Going back to energy again. That's where I always get back to because it's the truth. Uh, Everything's energy. Whatever it may be, energy. It took energy to make it. It took energy, whatever. And just going back to, again, being simple... I don't know. It's it's weird when I think about stuff like that. It's <laughs> a rabbit hole. Yeah, it, that's yeah the rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but talking about energies and all that, and another one, another another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, essential oils. Oh yeah, I just started studying those a little uh, bit. I know, I know you got into it more. I know you're already into it, but you're kind of. Yeah, we've, into it more. we've sold essential oils, oils here for a while. Um, my business partner, Lindsay, is a reflexologist. And so she uses um, the essential oils on her clients, like on their feet and on their hands or whatever she's working with. Um, and each of the, like, there's this belief that each plant on the earth well, will heal, heal some illness. So every illness that exists on earth, there's some plant that can help cure it. And the whole process with the essential oils. And this is something that tickled me to death, I swear to God. So my dad is like Mormon. Yeah. I was raised Mormon. And um, I'm going to my dad's house last night and I'm telling him, you know, I've been having this issue. And he was like, well, what about your oils? I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, you're never going to believe this. My dad um, had, he has bad knees. He has started using eucalyptus essential oil and he is swearing by it. 
because eucalyptus is really good at reducing inflammation and the problem that he was having in his knee was the pain is due, a lot of pain is due to inflammation. So each one of these different oils have different properties. They have different chemical compositions, different structures in the cell, you know, cellular structures. So they, um, they react with us in different ways because we're energy. That plant is energy. And whenever you put two energetic things together and you mix it, you're gonna come up with some other type of energetic reaction. That's what I say even with crystals. Crystals have an electrical pulse. Some crystal, like crystals are used to, to make watches work. Humans, we have measurable electricity to us. So if you take that part of the electrical pulse and this electrical pulse and you put it together, there's gonna to be an electrical reaction. And through that, you can make things better. Eucalyptus is going to help save your, your heel or your, your knees. It'll help, you know, the pain in the, the knees. And then he caught poison. He was telling me that his chest was swollen from the poison. And I was like, well, that's inflammation. Did you try the essential, your essential oil on yeah. that? And he was like, well, no. So today he sprays his eucalyptus oil on his chest and he comes up later and he's like, look, they're even. <laughs> <laughs> like that's hilarious. it reduced the inflammation. And he told me he was at, my dad is very skeptical about a lot of this stuff. He was, uh, I forget where he was at, but he was out of town and they were at a mall and he was bored and he was sitting down because his knees were hurting him. And there just so happened to be a lady set up in the middle of the mall that was selling this eucalyptus. I think it's called Eucaleaf was the brand name. Um, so he was like, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna test her. So, you know, he's, she's talking to him and she's like, do you have any pain? And he was like, yeah, my knee hurts. And she was like, okay, well, she put her, her glove on and she rubbed the oil on his knee. She says in 15 seconds, you're not going to feel, it's, it's not going to hurt anymore. Well, she rubs it in. She tells him, all right, get up and take a couple of steps for me. He takes a couple of steps. His knee didn't hurt anymore. And he was like, he's like, okay, well, if I buy a bottle of this, it's going to be different because what you have in that bottle is different from this bottle. And she's like, no, it's the exact same thing. And he didn't make her test it out, but he was like, well, put some oil on this knee over here because it hurts too. So she put the essential oil onto his left knee and within 15, like he said, literally within 15 seconds, the pain was coming out of his, that other knee. That's so crazy. Some people like peppermint is really good for, um, headaches. It's really good for sinuses. Eucalyptus is really good for sinus. People swear by lavender for relaxation. Chamomile helps people go to sleep. So every, there's a plant for every type of manifested illness that can help you to cure it. You know, some of these, and they're starting to test like even with cancer and to see whether there's certain oils that will help get rid of cancer. Like they, some say like turmeric mm -hmm. helps with cancer. Um, I just recently made a big purchase. I'm starting to mix some oils together for different purposes. I'm making a bunch of stuff like for my lungs and then a facial spray because it's supposed to help your face, anti-aging and all this stuff. So I'm like 38, so you know, I'm starting <laughs> to really. But it smells good. <laughs> but anyways. Um, so it's a plus plus, you know, it, it, absolutely. it helps you plus it smells good. <laughs> yeah, it does. Who needs perfume when you have essential? And well, I mean, if you look at it too, perfumes, they have chemicals in it mm -hmm. and it's really wild like um i don't i think it's toxicity.com there's a website that you can go to and you just you can look up febreze you can look up body washes you can look up hairsprays you can look up perfumes there 
there's chemicals and these things that we're putting on our bodies daily that are immunotoxins, so they're destroying our immune system. They're neurotoxins, so they're destroying our nervous system. All of these things are destroying our bodies. They're making us age faster. They're getting us, we're more sick. The, the rate of cancer has grown exponentially in the last hundred years. And if you look into it, if you look in, like really look into it, it's basically man-made. Right. So, so if you get a really good uh, quality essential oil, you can't get like Walmart. If you look at their essential oil, they say that it says, "Do not put on your skin." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what's, <laughs> the, what's the point? It's like I had somebody come in the other day, and they said they bought incense at CVS, and it said, "Do not burn. Do not touch." Are you kidding me? It's incense. Yeah, that makes no sense. So there's these natural things that you can use that aren't going to have the chemicals and the toxins that break down our nervous system, our immune system. Um, there's certain, there's certain essential oils that break the blood, the blood brain barrier. So it'll help the brain. Um, the one, the watermelon seed, actually they found that it helps regenerate cells. It actually goes into like tumors and that's, they're doing a lot of testing with cancer now to see how this oil is going to help with cancer. That's crazy. I can't wait to see like the results. But the thing is, is we have to make sure that there is some integrity in this process because a lot of times you'll see, oh, well, this is bad for our health. Like the thing with Kratom right now, Mm -hmm. people are fighting against that. I know people that Kratom is saving their life. Well, this damn ass opiates helping them with that shit. Getting Getting off off of, yeah, getting off of the opiates. But yet you're going to have like Big Pharma or with the hemp industry, you know, DuPont and things like that, um, that fight against it because it's all going back to the Benjamins. Yes. Everything's connected dollar wise with mass media or mass. What would be the word? I guess we call it mass media. Basically the above ground, <laughs> like, you know, have the underground mainstream underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The well, counterculture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the counterculture. Like to me, I know I talked to you about this before. We all are. Everybody's a counterculture. Yep. Basically, if you're not in the system, if you're not in politics, whatever it may be, or if you're always listening to mass media and all that, you're in the system. If you listen to all that. Yep. Like I barely watch TV anymore. I mean, I watch Netflix and all that, but like cable-wise, I hate commercials. Mm-hmm. I don't watch no commercials at all. Mm-hmm. Mostly I'll watch Netflix or I go on YouTube, look up stuff on YouTube that interests me or read or just look in, in stuff I'm interested in. Yep. I always tell everybody, everybody has a cell phone. You have the most powerful thing in the world in your hands. Fucking use it. If, yep. you're, if you're interested in something, spark your interest, go look at it. Yep. But at the same time, don't look at that. Look at multiple sources yep. to, so, to show well, is this correct or is it not correct? Yep. And, and I know that not everybody's perfect. I know I'll post a lot of shit on Facebook with my um, groups and stuff. And I might not be always 100% correct, but I'm pretty damn close. <laughs> you know, so yep. uh, and there, there's all, I know there's always, always going to be two sides to the issue, but you got to go underneath, like, further into that issue or whatever. Research. Yeah. And, and it's crazy when you think about it because why the fuck should we have to do that? Like, that's what our mass media should be doing. Like, well, that's the thing. Like, the, um, the tobacco companies would be the ones that are paying people to do research and studies that said that, you know, cigarettes wouldn't cause cancer. 
well, if the tobacco companies are giving you the money, you're not going to release a big study to the public saying, guess what? Tobacco causes cancer. Mm -hmm. So you really do have to do the research. Okay, who funded this project? What are their interests? You know, you have to do the research instead of just accepting everything. Or even like now, everything is fake news. Oh, that's fake news. Nope. That fake news. That's fake news because it doesn't fall in line with what I believe to be true. So you have to look at both sides of the story because somewhere in between there, you're going to find what is your truth. You know, there's a difference between truth and fact. Like what is true for me not, might not be true for you, but then there's yeah. facts. So you have to figure out what are the actual facts and what truth is that going to create for you? A thousand percent agree again. <laughs> and, and, it, and it keeps going back to, like you said, vibrations, mm -hmm. uh, energy and all that. Yep. Um, I think it's how people get woke, like woke up or something happens or I don't, to me it's something just clicks. Yep. Whatever it may be, I know it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, it clicks or whatever it may be and you're like, what? An aha moment. Yeah, like what the hell? Uh, me personally, it was cannabis that helped like open my shit up. That's cool. Like it, it, I have a lot of anxiety and all that, and a lot of medical issues. So I, I use cannabis, and in that process, it helped me with my medical issues, but also opened up my mind to shit. Right. So like it kind of like took me step back a little bit. Like, oh, okay, yeah. I see what you're doing now. And a lot yeah. of people that use, um, I've never done mushrooms personally, but I know a lot of people that have used mushrooms, and they've said that that was a really big thing for them. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of went, whoa, because that whole process showed them kind of, it showed them how everything mm -hmm. was connected when they were experiencing that. And, and there's, there's research that has already been done talking about shrooms. Um, it's always all the plant-based. What's funny, it's always the plant-based ones that help us. There's a plant to heal uh, everything. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, even LSD. Like they, they did so, even Harvard scientists back in the fifties and sixties did studies on oh, that yeah. shit. Timothy Leary. Yeah. Um, his name's Ram Dass now, but it was something else. Yeah, yeah. And he was part of all that yeah. with, and I think somebody else. But they were basically healing people with extreme depression, anxiety. I don't know what else. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, basically, I got frowned upon because it was considered a drug. Yep. Um, which, again, the, the politics, big farm, whatever it may be, got into it and made it illegal. Which now the science is finally starting to catch back up to it, even though we had research back then. Yep. Um, I think because the internet uh, yep. helped out with a lot of that, of yep. course, uh, where it does help with anxiety, it does help with depression. Yep. Um, like stuff, stuff even like ayahuasca, you know, people mm -hmm. talk about that. I know somebody that uh, my uncle had a friend, a good friend that his son was in the war. Mm -hmm. And he had really bad PTSD. Oh my God. And he basically saw a lot of shit that, mm -hmm. you know, normal people don't fucking see. Right. And I think he saw people get killed and all that, of course. Sure. Own, and And... He came back and he was on all his antidepressants, all this pain medicine, because he had got hurt over there too. Yep. Um, and his father, which is my uncle's friend, uh, was a nurse. He's a nurse, and he started looking into more natural alternatives yep. and helping out with that. Yep. And what came out of it was DMT, mm -hmm. uh, which is found in ayahuasca and all that. Right. And I think there's another name besides besides ayahuasca they call it. I'm not sure. Um, but he basically got some, uh, 
gave it to his son, and he stayed with him while he went through. And of course, you research all this before you right. do all this shit. Right. Like me researching, researching cannabis or shrooms, or I mean, like it took me months. You know, like anything I try, I try, I get into, like I get into it and research the hell out of it to see, like before I ingest it or take it or whatever. I think everybody should do that. Yeah, that that's common sense, I think. Absolutely. Um, but this one time he had, I don't know if he smoked it or ingested it. I'm not sure. Uh, gave it to his son. He stayed with him to make sure, you know, he's a nurse, so just make sure anything goes crazy. He's there to help him. Um, he did it one time. I'm not sure how much she had or whatever. Um, he came out of it like a, a new fucking person. Yep. Like he got off all the damn prescriptions. I think the only thing he took was, he did take his pain pill for his pain. Yep. But like all the PTSD crazy shit, gone i believe johns hopkins is actually doing some research on mushrooms and the effects that psilocybin has on um depression mm -hmm. and i think they said that there was at least six months that a person was alleviated from their anxiety just from taking it and, and the thing about it is like it, it's not like you gotta take it every day you know no. like these people are taking it like if you look into the uh, terence mckenna like when he says talking about taking uh, LSD or not LSD, but um, mushrooms and stuff like that. Like and other people in that in that circle with, I think he was he a, was he a scientist? What the hell was he? Was he a scientist or? Uh, yeah. I forget. Kind of spiritual guru for some yeah. people. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, if you read into his his lectures or listen to his lectures and stuff, like people that was taking this as medicine or like microdosing or whatever it may be, they were getting relief from only taking it two times a year. Yep. And like. That would fuck up Big Pharma. Absolutely. All the way up. Yeah. Also, um, I'm big into the whole military thing. Like, mm -hmm. I absolutely love our veterans. Um, by the way, if anybody is listening to this and is a veteran in the area or even outside of the area, I do free Reiki sessions for people who are veterans. Um, just as my way of trying to give back because I look at it and generally, generationally speaking, every generation of man, men, have been sent into some kind of war zone. So we have completely taken the divine masculine out of our men and we've made them immune and we've turned them into warriors um, to feed this war machine. Um, but there has been some research that's been done since the Iraq war where they have um, down at the Fort Bliss, the Recovery and Resilience Center, they have been doing Reiki, yoga and massage with soldiers at this place and they're finding that those soldiers that are receiving these treatments don't have the rates of PTSD and they don't have the suicide rates because soldiers are killing themselves in astronomical rates. It's so alarming the amount of soldiers that are killing themselves. Yeah, I'm not even sure what the, it's something crazy like. Like every 46 seconds yeah, or something Yeah, I knew like it was that. like underneath an hour, but it, yeah, it's, it's crazy when you, when or you think about it. maybe it is an hour. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, I heard of, it's something crazy, it's, though. It's, and, it's horribly and sad. That is true, because like with the men, with every generation. And now we're doing it to women. By like, Women are going into mm -hmm. the military, and we're taking the, cult, the, the nurturing aspect of women away from them. Mm -hmm. and, and I agree with the whole generational thing, because my family... All the men in my family has been in the service, except for me and my other uncle. We're like the only generation. Everybody, one got killed in World War II. He was a medic, which shouldn't have been shot. Got killed on, on D-Day. I'm not sure what beach it was. But, and, and one uncle, my, my great-grandmother had three sons in the war. Woo! And yeah. all, one, one got killed. I may not have been in the war. 
well, one was in the war. The other two served, but three of her sons was in the service. One got killed. One got shell-shocked, was fucked up, came back. Yep. Other one got fucked up for some reason. Yep. So, like, everybody, like, it's a high percentage that come back or fucked up some way or another. Yeah. And then we're, we're sending sending a lot of our people over, like, there to get fucked up. Yep. You know, like, come, like, you'll get fucked up and come back here and then don't do nothing for them at all. Yeah. Basically. Absolutely. You know, like. No, we leave them homeless. Yeah. I have a friend that um, he did like four tours in Iraq and I'm not quite sure the service that he put in before that and the different tours um, cause he was married to my friend for a while and that's how I met him. But I'll never forget it. He was home. He was never home for any of the holidays, but one time he just happened to be home for the 4th of July. So a bunch of us got together to celebrate and we're sitting out in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia and in the mountains, everything echoes. And somebody set off one of those, um, the fireworks that sounds like a cannon. Boom! <laughs> that man was sitting, and within a split second, he wow. was on the ground. On the ground. Free automatic PTSD, like, flashback. That is crazy. He thought he was back in the war zone in that split second. And it, I think I cried. Just what to that, witness him, what, like... That right there goes back to how, how powerful your mind is. Yep. I mean, he it took him back to halfway across the the world, uh, away, and took him back to that. And he hasn't been there forever. How long? But yet, split sec, a split second, just something with that, take him right back there, and they're like done. Yep. And it's crazy, and it, it, I don't even know what to say really about it because it, it. I mean, I, I love that we have our freedom and all that, but our freedom does come at a price. And not just because in not the system. Yeah, and, and it comes not just at a price because people die because of it, because it comes at a price that fucks up a lot of damn people that don't die too. Their children, you know? and their, their spouses, ch- yeah. the mothers, yeah, the like, brothers. I don't think people, and I know people that are dealing with that. They know about it because they're dealing with it. Right. But people that are not in that situation or that family, whatever it may be. Um, they don't see that, and they think, oh, well, they're together. I mean, I know people think shit happens there people come back get ptsd and all that which i think is more aware now with our veterans and stuff now than what it used to be uh back then i think it was called something different than ptsd wasn't it i'm not sure back in like in the 50s and 60s they just and all called that. it shell shock yeah okay yeah shell shock so it, it, it's crazy when you think about it, it I, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's 80 or 90 percent of the people that go in service either one die of course or they come back and, and they're fucked up mentally Physically, they lose a limb or whatever. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that if it's that higher percentage, eighty to ninety percent. So I just found on Google um, the suicide rate among our veterans, and the latest thing that they have is from two thousand thirteen, and it shows that roughly twenty two veterans were dying by suicide per day. Wow! One every sixty five minutes. Uh, and that was back when? In 2013. I bet you it's probably it's probably one in less than an hour now. So July 7th, there was um, an article released by Military Times, which is, um, it's directly from within the military. And at that, so they were saying 22 a day. That's a lot. Yep. It's horrible. It's crazy. Let me think about it. So let's see. Wait a minute. I'm going to pull out my handy dandy calculator. <laughs> so 22 a day, 365 days a year. That's 8,030 people a year That's on a average. People. And we've been in this war for 10 years. 
Oh, hell no. So that's like... That. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah. See, okay, so whenever I turned 20, I or when I turned 30, I was... In my mind, I said, the 30s is going to be my new 20s. <laughs> so I literally, I miss a decade all the time when I talk about, like, thinking that, you know, 9-11 was 10 years ago. So that's 17 years ago, actually. Yeah, so... So that's 130... 136,000 people. And you know that the, the rates probably went up, too. Probably. So that's probably more than that. I know just here in this area and the work that I do, um, and not a lot of people know about us, but I see, I see lots of veterans, and it breaks my heart to see what, what they're going through because you're told to do something and you have no choice. Even if inside of you, you know that it's absolutely wrong that you have to kill this person, you're told you kill this person and you have to do it. And then that sticks with them for the rest of their life. My ex-father-in-law was in Vietnam and he literally, um, he signed up to be a truck driver, but they ended up making him a gunner and a Huey. And he was shot out of the air four times. And the fourth time he was the only person that survived the helicopter crash. And he wow. was, he was attacked by a member of the Viet Cong as soon as he got out of that plane crash or that helicopter crash, he ends up grabbing the guy and throwing him in a rice in the water of the rice paddy and held him underwater until he died. So he goes back to, he finds his way back to the base and the person that was in control of the base pretty much says, get ready to go back up into the helicopter. He held a, he flipped his shit and he held a gun to the guy's head. He says, look, motherfucker, I'm a truck driver, not a gunner. So what they did to this man was they gave him a psychological evaluation and they made him a sniper. Wow. So for several years, he would come to our house. He's clean, from what I know, he's cleaned up now um, because he's been forced onto a bunch of painkillers and if he would drink like he used to, it would literally kill him. But he would come to our house and he would drink and he would get so upset. And I remember him, he would talk about that he, being a sniper, he, he ruined many a men's dinner because they would wait until there was like this big state meeting and then he, they would set him at whatever distance he would make, then he would have to kill that person and then take off. So he would tell me, I've, you know, I've ruined many person's dinner. And then he would sit there and you could see the tears start to come down his face and he'd tell me he was a no good son of a bitch. And that just broke he's my just following heart. orders basically. Yeah, and that's what I tried to tell him. I was like, you had no, you had no option. You can't say no. If you do, they're going to make life hell on you. Because once you sign up, you belong to the government. You're no longer an autonomous person. You do whatever the hell you're told to do or else. It does. It messes a lot of people's lives up. And like you said, it, not just their lives, but when they come back, their family, their children, whatever it may be. Yeah. And there, there need, needs to be more than what there is being done for our veterans. Absolutely. Uh, I'm all about, about veterans because, again, my, my whole family was service. And I know your, your father, you probably have, only have uncles or anything probably served. Or... Um, several of my uncles have served. Uh, my, my grandfather was um, somebody that trained. He helped train people for World War II. Um, but my, my first husband was uh, in the Army. And the person that he was before he went into boot camp is completely different from the person he became after boot camp. And then even after he did um, time in Afghanistan, he's a completely different person. And I have to be careful because I have a lot of hatred for the military for what they have made him. 
And he deals tremendously with PTSD. He doesn't let anybody in because of they take you into boot camp, they break you down, the person that you are, they break you down completely, and then they make you into this killer, a soldier. And everybody's a grunt. It doesn't matter what position you hold. My uncle was a lieutenant commander in the Navy, which is a pretty good rank. And he was in the very first Iraq War back in the early 90s. So he comes home and he has this Gulf War syndrome. And then the next thing we know, he had leukemia. So um, because he was a member of the military, they said, you can't have the standard civilian treatment for leukemia. You're going to have to take this um, drug that we're testing out. And we're going to see how that works with your body. So they give him, you know, this test drug. And originally the cancer had went away, but after he stopped taking the drug, six back. months later it came back and it was all through his body so then he died on the table during an emergency bone marrow transplant now the kicker of this is is that there's also somebody else that we know in the military that received information and he came to our family and he told us that the military explicitly injected the soldiers with something that would cause them leukemia so they could test this drug at the future point. So they purposely set up these men who were guinea pigs. And it didn't matter that he was a lieutenant commander. It didn't matter that he had a daughter that was less than a year old. None of that mattered. What mattered was the drug that they wanted to test out. Um, who knows what all is behind that because the pharmaceutical is going to be involved somewhere. Yeah, I mean, and it, it didn't matter. And they did that with all these people. Every single one of those people died. Every single one of them. I don't think that's what people realize, too, like these chemo drugs they have. Yes, it can help, but at the same time, it's not just killing the bad cells. It's killing the good cells, all too. All of it. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, that's not, of course, good. Right. Uh, and I don't, I don't see why of all this technology... Why they can't come out with something, which I know well, well, there, there is stuff. I mean, of course, cannabis and stuff like that can help. Or I think cannabis can cure the research idea of THC and all that. And even going to essential oils, that can help in assistance with whatever it may be or even cure it too. You know? Well, there's two doctors that I can reference. Um, there's somebody that was his Max Gerson. And he was taking patients that were being sent home from Western, Western medicine infrastructure the doctors were saying well there's nothing we can do to help you just get your affairs in order they had pancreatic cancer or stage four this cancer that cancer they were told they had a month to live so basically these people would come to max gerson's um, clinic and he would put them on a raw vegan diet he would um, help them like he told them you have to get right whatever whatever higher power is you know um, some spiritual aspect of life he had them living a clean life away from all the chemicals and all of this. He was curing these people of cancer. And then he was getting ready. He was actually getting ready to publish his studies. And he was poisoned with arsenic. They tried to kill him. What he did was he cured himself with his own mechanism <laughs> that he, you know, the system that he had set up. And he put all of his information back together because they stole that information when they poisoned him. Um, so he gets all of his information back together. They didn't know it, but he was able to get his information to his daughter. 
they killed him. They came after him again, and they po- they got him. Um, as it goes now, the Gerson Clinic is in Mexico. They're not allowed to. Pr- they're not allowed to offer this in the United States. You have to go to Mexico to get this. And then right across the border in Texas, there is um, Dr. Brzezinski. That is a really good documentary that you can watch on Netflix, actually. And uh, Brzezinski is using something called anti-neoplastins, and it's actually something that's coming from urine. And what he was doing with his studies was his clients, he was working with children with brain cancer because a child that goes through chemo and radiation, it's destroying their brain. So they're not gonna have a good quality of life. So he was trying to help children bypass that. And with this medicine that he was setting up, he was saving children from the chemo and the radiation and they were living through cancer. So they didn't have the death note. They didn't have, if they were lucky enough to survive that cancer, They weren't in a vegetable state because of their brains being radiated to death. Um, They kept, the FDA kept suing him, trying to bankrupt him, suing him over and over and over. Well, you didn't go through this process. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. And he's like, I'm following all of the steps that you've told me to follow so far, but you're not doing this right. You're not, and they kept suing him. And finally, like Congress looked at it and they were like, you've got to stop. Like he's doing this, and as long as he's just practicing within his state where he's um, <coughs> where he's licensed, he's allowed to do that. Um, people were coming from other states and coming moving to Texas to try to get this therapy. You know, you couldn't go, you couldn't live in West Virginia or Maryland and go to Texas get the medicine and come back here. You had to be one of his regular clients there. But he is saving people from from cancer. And they're making his life absolute hell. That's so crazy. It's the Brzezinski Clinic in Texas. It's really cool. And that, that goes to what pops my mom. You said about that being down Texas and people coming and going. That's like people that have children that have seizures and stuff mm-hmm. that are using cannabis or THC or CBD. Yep. Um, I think a good one. I think people from Texas and down the, the, the lower states are moving to Colorado and moving to... Yep. states that have medical cannabis legal because it's just helping kids yeah i mean if you if you follow me on facebook or instagram you can see all the posts i post i'm a big you know i'm a big advocate for cannabis weed marijuana whatever you want to call it um and this this is not this is not like a reality tv you know this yeah. is real life shit yeah you know like these are helping kids that are like yep. having seizures some of them have like hundreds almost a thousand a day were yeah. you the person? I just saw a video that was a child that was having mm-hmm. a seizure, and the video literally shows this child seizing. And then there's one even of a dog mm-hmm. that I've seen. Like in the last two days, I've seen these two videos where the child or the dog is having the seizure, and they put the cannabis oil inside of their mouth. Mm-hmm. And yep. within less than a minute, it's stopping the seizure. Yep. I think the, um, I probably posted it's probably where you've seen it from. Uh, yeah, the dog one is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically you just put an eyedropper a little bit, and it don't take that much. Mm-hmm. You just put it in, and you can see the on that video, you can see the dog like, come on, a dog's not going to lie, first of all. Right. So like, people want to get like... Like, I'm, I'm teasing. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, people want to get like, oh, that's fake. Yep. It, okay, you're going to let a dog like shake, like a dog's going to shake like that on cue? You know, like... Right. Uh, and, to, and then, like you just said, within a minute, it just, it calms, ner- whatever, uh, nerves, whatever. Right. Um, and I saw with the kid that had the seizures, I think I saw two of them. One was like a nasal a nasal spray, two squirts off each not each each nostril. Within two minutes, he calmed down everything. That's incredible. And then 
there's another guy over in the UK. He has Tourette's really bad. He can't live without cannabis. He shakes so bad. He can't even, he can't even eat. That's how bad it is. Aww. And they videoed they, the BBC actually did it, the thing with that. And they showed him basically lighting up a joint. He's shaking so bad. He can barely light a joint. I mean, I've never seen Tourette's that bad. He was shaking so bad. It looked like a jackhammer. That's like insane. it was crazy. He showed him like him trying to eat and everything. And he went into his bed, his living room, sat down, took him like, it might took him like 20, 30 seconds to light his damn cigarette, damn joint because he's shaking so bad. And, um, uh, took like two or three puffs off of it. And within like five minutes, he calmed down. He could actually talk. He couldn't talk because he stuttered so bad. He could talk like a normal person. So basically, basically what that's helping them do is live normal. You know, like, uh, I'd use it for pain, of course, and for anxiety, depression. I think it helps with all that. Helps with PTSD. Like, yep. PTSD, everything. And the thing about it, too, is it's not, you don't have to smoke cannabis. You don't have to smoke weed. There's different ways to get it. Uh, either it's CBD or THC, whatever it may be. Um, but I think one cure, cures the cancer, which is THC, and I think other one basically helps you prevent stuff, which is uh, cannabis has anti-everything mostly. Uh, but, yeah, look into it. I, I would suggest everybody look into it and go from there. Uh, let's go ahead and end it here. I uh, just want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I <laughs> see you.